You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. She's back again. Do we we could we can hit the pagan topic or we can hit the shark topic? Which one do you want to talk about first? Let's start with sharks. Okay. Why do you think what what is the article? It says that what now you can't call sharks predators anymore because it's too offensive. You have to call it something completely which doesn't make sense because here's the article: shark attacks to be rebranded as negative encounters to show more understanding for predators. Doesn't that discredit if a shark, like if I got into a shark attack, I'm like this giant ferocious predator, this giant great white bit my leg off. I get it because you're trying to save face with sharks because a lot of people have a bad rep. Jaws kind of did it. But then it's like that discredits your story of being bitten by a shark. Am I right? But is the point to have a story about being bitten by a shark? Hell yes. (laughs) Or, Or just to get away from the shark. Well, I mean, hopefully you survive, but imagine if you're like, I got attacked, but you're going to hype it up. It's like, if I got, I got hit by a jet ski, I got hit going 40 miles an hour. The jet ski came from the front of mine, went up me like a ramp and hit me in the chest. And I cartwheeled and broke fiberglass with my head and ended up having to go to the hospital. I was perfectly fine though. I was like indestructible when you're like 17. But when I tell the story, I like to make it sound like, then I like, you know, I like to hype it up a little bit, too, because it's a good story, even though base flat, it's just like, OK, it was a quick instance. It happened in a second, much like a car accident. Well, you can say I had a negative encounter with a shark. So that's the you know non-offensive part. And then you say and then you describe the injuries, you know, you show how your surfboard is has got a giant bite out of it. Maybe your leg or your torso has a giant bite out of it. So I don't think um calling it a negative encounter is so bad the point is more that people just keep swimming with sharks and then wondering why they're getting bitten by them and you know then they'll go out they'll go let's go kill all sharks and they'll go out in a speedboat and try and you know kill sharks actually i watched i watched some zoom footage recently of um along shorelines in australia and there were just so many sharks swimming along and people are just jumping around in the water and they've got no idea that these sharks are pretty close. And just this fantasy that people, you know, that people should be indignant that there's sharks in the water and that now we have to go out and punish them because they ate up a human because humans are so important. Um, you know, don't swim with sharks. That's a valid point. I mean, I'm then not... You won't get eaten. I'm, I look at it like when you immediately get into the water, you sign a deal with the world that you're accepting the outcome that there's a possibility that you could be bitten by a shark. I live in a beach town, so that's kind of the thing. You know, you go, you don't expect it to happen much like you don't expect the car crash to happen, but you basically sign that deal. It's undisclosed, uh, unspoken word, you want to say, when you get into your car that there's a possibility you could get into a terrible accident, you could lose a life, or you could lose someone that's in your vehicles. I look at that with the same thing with sharks. But my thing is, 
it takes the hype out of the story. It's kind of like when they decided, and this is going to be a huge jump, but this is like, it's eventually going to lead to the point where it's like, okay, if that's offensive, I don't think a shark gives a shit. Like a shark is not sentient of knowing that you're going to hurt its feelings or whatever like that. It doesn't care. It's worried about eating and swimming and surviving much like most of the people in the world now. But when it comes to like, remember when they switched drunk, like sex to rape, and then a bunch of actual people that have been through that horrible scenario of being raped were like, hey, that discredits our story if you are saying that you were raped because you had drunk sex. And then that's what it's going to get to. So now we can't call pedophiles or any of this predators. We have to call them people that are invading your personal space. That's where I'm afraid it's going to go. Maybe it won't, but there's just that side of the world where I don't think a lot of things where people go, that's impossible, but it's coming. It's happening today. There's a lot of stuff that we wouldn't think would be probable. And now, like I saw um, three years ago, an interview with um, Sandra Bullock on the Ellen show. And she talked about how they're using, and this is going to be crazy. I know it's, I have, I played the recording in a previous episode, but um, on the Ellen show, they're talking about how do you keep your face so young? And she goes, well, I use this little thing that they snip off and then, you know, you rub it on your face and it makes you look younger. And they're like, what is that thing? Is it from overseas? And she's like, yeah, it's from overseas from like, you know, uh, this small little area. They're talking about baby foreskin. She was using Korean baby foreskin and rubbing it on her face as a way to Are use you like a hundred percent. It's on the Ellen show. I can play the recording for you right now. I didn't believe it myself because I was like, this is insane. But this was three years ago and it sounds so crazy. But back then that was like not a big thing. I can play it. I will do it right now. Okay. Block Ellen show. So if I say Sandra Bullock, Ellen show, Sandra Bullock and her Korean baby foreskin rejuvenation treatment. And it's a skit. It's going to be an advertisement. So hang on. Let's let that advertisement play. But it's I, I didn't believe it myself, but it just shows like how our thoughts and how a lot of things have changed over the past couple of years. And that's what I'm amazed by is that the fact that this was like completely relevant not that long ago. Um, well, you know, they, they use plus human placenta in a lot of um, cosmetics. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that, but that's what I'm saying is like, that's how it's not like a fake video or anything. It's a real, like they're sitting at Ellen show. This facial that you're obsessed with that, how many, did you get the whole cast of Ocean's 8 to do yes. this? everybody. Okay, and, uh, good, smart just, ones. Just, just those that I thought would appreciate it. Okay, explain yeah. what it is. Well, it's this, this way in which um, one forces uh, through microneedling um, it's like a little roller with these, some of you, I, mean, I think many of you know it, and it pushes through the skin and ruptures the collagen and then boosts it. You look like a burn victim for a day, but then it's, but then it pushes. The what are you pushing into the skin, Sarah? Sarah. Sandra? Sarah? Sarah. <laughs> Carrie? <laughs> what are you pushing into the skin? Well, you push in whatever the facialist would like to insert into your pores. But what is it? It is an extraction from a, um, a, a, um, a piece of skin uh, that came from a young person um, far, far away, and they somehow figured out how to extract. It's foreskin from a Korean baby. Yeah, and you know how, first of all, there's two things that wouldn't be good today. She said um, it's uh, from overseas that you look like a burn victim. That's the thing. You can't say that. That would, that would be completely, you'd be canceled for saying that. That was three years ago. It was perfectly fine. And then the Korean foreskin. Now, it's, I'm not saying it's like, oh, my God. But I'm saying it's like that's how we've changed so much. So I'm saying it's going to get to that point with, like, the shark thing. Then that's going to lead into something else. And that's going to be leading into something else. Murderers aren't going to be murderers anymore. It's going to be something different. You don't, it sounds crazy, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Sure. 
But I don't think they're going to change the terminology for kind of violent crime, but um, we'll see. But Well, they changed criminals to incarcerated victims. Well, not in Australia. Well, and, and this, that's what I'm saying is like, well, here's the thing is like when you go and you look at like China, they're advanced more than the U.S., but then we get it a couple of years later than the U.S., and then it leads to the U.K., and then it leads to Australia. Everybody's just a little bit delayed in how they adapt to certain things that go there. So if it hits here, it's going to end up hitting you guys later. So that's the whole thing is like you can easily predict what another country is going to do when you look at another one that's succeeding and it ends up translating over there. Usually it's from the West over Hawaii, for instance, and the States where I'm on the complete East coast, they're on the West coast. They get everything a couple months before we do in our stores. I went to Hawaii and I bought board shorts and then I came over to here and they got it two months later. I was like, oh, I have the only pair of board shorts down here that out of this thing. And the next, thing you know, two months later, they were all in stores. So I'm saying it's going to end up changing and evolves. It just depends on how big of the grasp is and social media kind of expands that now i i don't know i just find that hilarious that that's sandra bull and it's on the ellen show and people are laughing and i'm like look how we've evolved that's so crazy now well i wouldn't be if i was sandra bullock and i was using that product i would not be saying it on the ellen show or anywhere else in public she she tried her best she was like from overseas but how did i mean she must have told ellen because um ellen knew about it they're probably talking backstage and like, hey, I use this and it makes me look younger. And Ellen's like, oh, well, I just don't age because I use baby's blood. And then there's this whole like, whoosh. Well, what, what people are going to say now, um, perhaps not three years ago, but they're going to say that that's really imperialist and that's very, you know, rich Fucking country weird. taking advantage of poor country. Not that Korea is particular. Well, I don't think South Korea is poor, but North Korea is poor. Um, so people will say that. They'll say that that's, you know, an imbalance of power. Um, I mean, I don't know if it is, but that's what people will say. Or, or that's what they'll think, I think. That's I think why, I mean, you can't predict, she couldn't predict three years ago that she shouldn't have said that. But a lot of people have lost uh, the sense of humour now about a lot of things. So, I mean, I'm, you know, it's just things that aren't even that old, comedy and stuff i am just wincing and i'm when i watch it and i'm going oh my god they could never say that now they couldn't say it it's not possible probably within the last year but you know there's a lot of quite old comedy um you know like back even to you know seinfeld which is the early 90s but you know so much stuff uh even well you know little britain has been cancelled for blackface who else has been cancelled for blackface um, I can't got remember off the but, pagan topic. Oh, well, you don't know that guy Chris Lilly here in Australia. Um, he, anyway, look, this is you know we're walking on shards of glass here with these topics because anything like this is fuel for people to attack you. They'll just pick on something you said and um, blow it out of proportion because you're not allowed to talk about quite a lot of subjects. You're actually not allowed to talk about them. There's an importance to understanding why it's bad. There's an importance to, I think a lot of the changes that we've had are very, very important, but at the same time, it's like, are we choosing the important ones as well too? Are we choosing like the shark one? A bunch of people commented was like, what? And then there was another one about like in the state right beside me, Baltimore, like the main place of like Maryland, there's Baltimore, Maryland. They had a thing about like skating is too inclusive. And it's like they need more black skaters. They need more trans skaters. And it's like too inclusive. You mean exclusive? Well, uh, yeah, 
I guess, yes. So they want it to be more inclusive where it's more open for everybody. And a bunch of people commented like, nobody gives a sh-. There's a difference between skating and rollerblading. First of all, they were upset that they couldn't rollerblade in the skate park and it felt uncomfortable. But I've met plenty of people at skateboard that aren't white. And it's like now they're like a bunch of people got well, like, that's too woke. And I'm like, it is because it doesn't make sense. They don't care if what color you are to skateboard. Skateboard if you want to skateboard. That's the whole thing. It's not. They just want to. They just want to have fun. They want to have good times. That's the whole thing. Skating has been a big part of my life. So it was like a lot of people were like, "I've been skating for thirty years, and we've never once turned away someone that wanted to skateboard." That's not how this works, you know. There's a weird vibe when you get a scooter out, and it's like, "Hey, you're at a skate park and you're using a scooter." But if you do some tricks, nobody messes with you. It's like, "Oh God, he's he's got respect." But it's just it's really interesting to see like how long until that shark thing is going to be the normal where it's like, well, I can't believe we used to call them predators. And it's like, eh, you know, I don't, I it's, that's just what I find fascinating. Cause I feel like where the basic necessity of change is like, we're not changing for the environment. We're not changing for a lot of things that we have some good, but we're also like, it seems like they're scraping at the bottom of the barrel just trying to find a good article or a good story to post up where people are going to be like, oh, I love this. And it's like, does that really matter, though? Are we not going to talk about the fact that, like, California right now is going through severe droughts where they're they're hiring witches? And this is where it leads into the pagan thing. So this is a great segue. They're using water witches or whatever it's called. A guy that takes two metal rods and he like apparently like does a little crossover or something when he finds a certain water source that they can dig into. And the scientists have literally been pushed to the brink of turning to that where they would have never thought about God or they're all atheists, whatever. They would have never thought about using that. The guy didn't find anything, but they were like, yeah, this is what we're resorting to because I, and I look at that, like how many people die or how many people get close to death's door and they turn to God. Why does it take that long of a push to get there? I don't know if there's magic. I would hope that maybe you have some advice or maybe some words, you know, we have these chakras or chants that you see soul coaching people or other people use. Is that the same thing? Because is there magic words that spells Freemasons use spells to be able to speak and get money or something like that? I want to know. I want Jake Paul I have, money. I have no idea what a soul coach is, but it sounds revoltingly new age, which sickens me. But as for water witching, uh, the new age disgusts me because it's so commercial and it's so pious and it's just, ugh. but water witching, that's called, that's actually called dousing. So that's, that's actually something that, Quite a lot of rural people do it, but um, it has been brought into sort of the new age slash. I actually don't know any pagans who do dowsing. So you can do it with oh, with a pendulum. So you can do it with a pendulum. I'm just trying to look for a necklace or something. Well, like a and pendulum. And it spins and finds it. But with the, with the rods um, or other things, um, I've never seen it done, but I, not, not live, but I know about it. Yeah, so... Um, People who do it swear by it, and uh, but I, I don't know. I've only read, you know, examples where they find they do it to find wells and things like that. But you, usually, it's like a rural person who's not a new age person. They're usually quite retiring. They're not. They don't usually have, you know, a Facebook page where they're just trying to get attention nonstop, or they're not on TikTok or what Instagram or anything. They're usually just a humble person that you know, wanders around and has this, well, you know, they think it's a gift um, to to douse water. So it's quite old. Um, 
it's interesting well you know you hear that the police sometimes use psychics so if the firemen are so desperate that they're using um dousers doesn't really surprise me i mean it can't hurt can it uh, you know That's so what I'm maybe the too, dowser will turning, find some water turning to like the last thing where they would have scientists in a million years would never thought to turn to god or but it seems like whenever someone gets pushed to that point where there's like no other option right now i'm gonna try everything it's like anything could be a valuable source at this time especially when you're going through such a severe drought or something but i look at it like with the new age like the way you're talking about it the old kind of rural or styling of that sort now is it do you look at that differently like when you see all the people that are like let me read your tarot cards online and then it's kind of like here's a fee like i have people message me and i actually talk to some real tarot people that talk about like this is like it's kind of a scam. They'll say something like your ancestors are calling you. And I'm like, look, if I wasn't in the mindset I am right now, and I have been pushed to the brink where I would turn to anything for just a little glimmer of light out of this dark tunnel. But like, imagine someone out there that's like buying a motivational book or buying something because they've been pushed to that point where they need help. They want the answers. And it's like preying a little bit on people that are like, might not be in the best state. And that's not saying motivational books don't help, but it's just saying like when someone messages you talking about your ancestors and you go, oh my God, like, is this, is this what I need? Well, if they're, you know, seeking you out, that might seem a little predatory, but if, if they're just offering a service, like any person who deals with the supernatural, whether that's a priest or a minister or a witch or, um, whoever else deals with the supernatural um, and people seek them out and say, can you please help me? That's not really exploitative. And, you know, people have been doing this for free for a lot of years and they've also been doing it for money as well. So there's a bit of a fight within the new age always charges money. That's one of their characteristics, but in paganism, it used to not really be much about charging money. And if it did charge money, it usually wasn't, wasn't a great deal of money. Um, but the new age has really bled into paganism now. And um, there's a lot of commercialization of a lot of traditional pagan activities and there are different ranges in price. But I think, yes, if they seek you out, that seems a little weird. But if, if you seek them out, it's the same as seeking any person who claims to uh, be in touch with the supernatural. As I said, whether that's a, a priest from one of the more uh, established religions or uh, someone, you know, from a very obscure um, spiritual tradition and things like that. So, um, but, and it's not always people who are desperate or anything like that. People, a lot of people, they don't want to learn tarot themselves. So they pay someone who knows how to do it, to do it for them. And also when you do read tarot, often when you read it for yourself, you can be inclined to want to, I mean, everyone wants, apparently it's a human characteristic to sort of turn things to your, you know, so that they reflect well upon you and you go, oh, well, maybe that really means this. So you really need someone else to do it so that then they're impartial. And I think it's even better if they don't know you because then they really can't be influenced by what they already know about you. So, but the thing is, it's huge at the moment. And that's just because a lot of people have, become really disillusioned with traditional religion and with with modern paganism and I guess to the, the new age to an extent. Um, you can take it into your own hands. You don't need a priest or a gatekeeper saying, no, 
you, you can't approach, let's call it God or spirit. You can't approach that only we can. So people are just sick of that. They're going, no, shut up. Yeah, so it's, it's, I don't think it's any more exploitative than any other spiritual system. I was just trying to get your thoughts on it being like of a more of a serious class when it comes to paganism, I would say, rather than compared to like the average Instagram person that just wants to put it in their username and then decide that now they're a pagan witch, you know, there's a lot of that that goes on. And I look at it like I've talked to a couple of people, but I respect the supernatural stuff. I respect it all. I'm not like 100% devolved into it to the point where I'm like, I need to do all these rituals. And if you burn sage around me, that's it. I'm done. We're not, we're no longer friends. I don't care if you're cleaning the house. You just made my whole house smell like burnt rubber or burnt, whatever. It does not smell good at all. It's cleaning the spirits. Maybe you got some demons inside of you. I, I have my foot. That's about to be in your ass is the whole question of what I'm saying now. And you know what? There's a lot of nicer things to burn than sage. So I don't know why sage is so fashionable. Like everyone burns sage and I'm like, why burn why oregano it i rather it smell like a pizza shop instead of a fucking sage no there's resins like frankincense and myrrh and red you know there's powdered woods like red sandalwood and stuff that smell a lot better than sage sage is all right white sage is all right but um i'm not sure why people think that they have to burn it i mean it, as opposed to a lot of other um plant materials and of course, when you burn herbs in their leaf form, they do have a, although they might have a fragrance, they also do have a little bit of that burny stink smell as well. I, I'm so fascinated by it because I, through all the people I've talked to, there's always a perspective that I don't see. And it's then I get a new perspective. So whenever you say something, I'm always looking at how someone else is looking at it. Like, it's very interesting when you see someone that uses crystals and stuff like that. Now, a lot of people don't need crystals or use crystals, but a lot of people enjoy using them. They see it as like a, a tool to help them get to the place that they're trying to get to when it comes to like a enchantment or some type of willing into like there's a whole bunch about willing into the universe well the freemasons i've talked to one who's a leader of a lodge and he talks about yeah see a lot of people aren't pro using crystals but then there are people that are like well it helps me and i think it's kind of like i'm not trying to say it's like playing superhero but it's a boost of an effect much like the gods are i think the interesting thing about paganism is the fact that there's not just one god they believe in multiple and many and i think that leaves an open area so like if let's say greek mythology for instance if you believe that you're going out to sea and you believe that there's the god of the sea that is watching over you it's more like of a confidence and morale booster and it seems like it works more effectively effectively rather than if you're just like well hopefully god won't let me drown today it's like well are you praying to god are you praying to one or are you praying to many there's multiple different ones that means it seems like they have more of an evenly distributed room for power so it seems like okay if i'm just praying to the god of the sea he only has to manage the sea so whoever's on the sea is the one he's going to be focused on and i look at that like much like using crystals you know you're you're believing in something that helps do that. And it's like an effect booster. It's like, if you tell a kid they're Superman, hopefully they don't jump off the roof, but now they have like this, I can do anything. And if you let them punch you and you like fly back and act like it, you, they have super strength, then they're like, Oh my God. And they think that they're actually superheroes. And I think that's like kind of, that. That's, I might be a crappy example. I'm not discrediting at all, but I look at that. Like, that's how I would do it. If I'm going to do magic or if I'm going to do these types of spells or enchantments, I'm going to want to use an object because it, then it starts getting into like, not the LARPing type thing, but it puts you in the mood. 
if you set up your house and everything's digital, but you want to do like some old school ritual style stuff, you got to find a spot with the less digital stuff in it. So you're not in this new age. You're going back to how they did it back into the day where they were praying on a, like if I gave you the opportunity to sacrifice a chicken and I put it on a giant gray, <laughs> you like that example. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Let's get like, um, you're doing a spell. So you're burning a candle, but you got maybe like some attire on that's kind of old school age style stuff. Now, are you going to do it where your plasma screen TV is right in front of you? Or are you going to do it in a spot where there's nothing that's that new age technology around you where you can kind of go back to some classics, maybe in the woods, I would do it in the woods when I smoke. If you smoke weed, you do it in the woods. Well, it depends. Um, you know, some cyber pagans might be perfectly happy doing it, um, you know, near electronic equipment. And I remember in like the early 2000s before, I mean, we were all using computers, but that was when some of the um, cyber pagan books, oh, God, it's my internet going unstable. If you have any browsers up, close, close your browsers. Okay, but now because um, of coronavirus, um, people, have been having to actually do, you know, a lot more rituals on the computer. So um, yes, there's an aesthetic angle, in my opinion, that I think, I don't know, we're so used to them now. Um, almost, I think you wouldn't notice them to an extent, but yeah, I don't, I, and also it would depend on what kind of ritual, like if, if you're doing a ritual, have I frozen? No, if you're doing a ritual to an, a god, of communication like Hermes or Mercury or Toth, um, it might be perfectly symbolically valid to have a computer there and any other things that have to do with writing and communication because that's what those gods are about. But if you're doing a ritual about say the earth mother or maybe the sea or something like that, a, a computer might be symbolically kind of jarring because it doesn't really go with those type of gods. It's not one of their sort of powers now i don't i don't want this to seem like i'm like attacking or i'm doing i'm discrediting it i'm not it i can it's the same thing like you could use the example of um burying somebody in a grave why do we do that well it's a fact of you're leaving a memoriam you're doing something in memory you're leaving a piece of it and it's seen as like a ritual it's seen as this thing but we've turned it into multiple different forms now i mean i'm not discrediting it at all there's a bunch of stuff that you could poke holes at that we do why do we have a death tax i don't know but we do you know you start to realize like Everything has its own perspective and its own belief in it. And I think that's what's so important about it. I think we're adjusting to change, which is great. The fact that like, you know, conversations work, uh, rituals, uh, prayers, whatever you want to do, sermons can all be done through a Zoom call now because we've gotten used to it. But then there's also a fear of like brainwashing too. Like you have to know that like a lot of times when it comes to like, and when I say brainwashing, it's not like clockwork orange style stuff. But like the way that the words that are being said to you, like we talk about the words, there's a lot of things that go on in the news where it's like brainwashing you a little bit when it comes to like the fact of quarantine and lockdown. Lockdown seems aggressive. Quarantine seems peaceful, but they do the same exact thing. You know, it's very interesting, the words and you start realizing, like I was talking to a couple of people from the UK I've been talking about, like I say spunk. When I say spunk to you, what does spunk mean? Well, in Australia, it actually, <laughs> in Australia, it actually, at least in the 1970s and 80s, it meant a good looking person, 
but in some other countries, I believe it means ejaculation. Yes. Okay. So I didn't know that. So I was saying it in an example to my buddies from the UK and he starts laughing and I'm like, what? And he's like, that doesn't mean, what do you think that means? And I'm like, it's like that guy's got spunk. That guy's got a, like a, a, like a look to him or something like that. And then it's like, oh no, it means something different. So it's very interesting. Like you start looking at the words that you say, the types of things. And I look at it like, okay. I mean, it's back to the example of like, um, surrounding yourself with the things that you're doing to kind of boost up the mood or boost up the effect of everything. Why, when people want to find enlightenment, why do monks isolate themselves up into a temple and shave their head and wear robes? It plays a different effect to it. Cause if you're wearing like oh, what I'm doing this shirt, wearing some jeans or something, and I'm sitting in a temple with, you know, my haircut and I'm just sitting there praying, thinking that like, I'm finding enlightenment this way. It's going to be different than if I put on a robe, shave my head and get in the position to do so. Yeah, because monks are anti-life and anti-the body. So they are trying to, um, they would prefer to be in heaven. And so they kind of deny the body um, or try to um, by um, doing ascetic activities, cutting off their hair, you know, living in a hermity way, living without um, women, that sort of thing, because they, they are anti body but let me just say in regards to cemeteries i just was at the cemetery just before and um i haven't been there for so long because you know we've been locked down and i used to have picnics with my friend but now he's moved to a different suburb and um it was just so good except there's been a lot of graves i don't know what whether it's been the rain or something but a lot of graves have have sort of a lot of the headstones have fallen over and there's been a lot of sinking of graves, um, I was really quite shocked because no one really looks after the headstones because in fact, it's really the responsibility of the people who don't realize that. And so um, no one's really looking after them. It's really quite bad because, you know, that's a historical cemetery. So, but it's very nice. It was very nice being there. Well, that was the biggest fear for a lot of things was the fact of like um, with funeral home directors, I was talking to at one point through the podcast and I talked to a couple people who like one dude in specific, his name is James Morris. He goes, he's in Japan and he studies like burials and all these types of things because they don't really see it how we do. We look at it like you just buried a love, uh, like a, a member of your family that you love so much. You want to leave a mark so people remember that this is this person, how much they meant. And it's really a scam in a way too, because they give you these really overly priced coffins. They give you these giant, like, do you love your family member? I, I love them to death. Well, there's, you can buy this crappy little tombstone or you can buy this giant one so they can be remembered forever. And it's like kind of like a sales pitch in a way, which I get it. I'm not mad at somebody trying to make money if it's over something as horrible as like a death or something. That's terrible. But hey, I mean, it's the world we kind of live in. But in Japan, they just, there were so many grave sites and stuff that were just, they took up and they uh, picked up the little uh, gravestones and they just got rid of them because they were building things so much. And it kind of seemed like, okay, that transferred into something else. Now you remember them by like a, a samurai sword and that's not being racist. That's an actual thing. It's very to their history is carrying a samurai sword, a family heirloom, a tradition, much like if you have a, a picture or something that your grandparents gave you and you carry it down and pass it down, it's kind of the same thing with the sword. And he studies them. He goes, it's just so hard because there's not a lot of gravestones left, you know, and that could end up 
happening here. Eventually, people just want to cremate, then have the urn. There's no gravestone. It saves room. It does all these types of things. It's the way you sail pitch it. And then you get to see like how we talk about the sharks changing and all this stuff. Everything starts to shift in a way. Your face lit up like you're Googling what I'm saying. We're just talking. Hang um, just you can't up. use the internet when we talk unless it's on your phone or the whole podcast is going to cut out. Oh, sorry. I just want to quickly look up this woman. God, what's her name? Jesus? Mary? No, it's this famous um, undertaker. She has a business called Undertaking LA, and I can never remember. Oh, Caitlin. Jenner? What's her name? Kate, oh, here she is. Caitlin. Caitlin Doty, Doty. Um, anyway, she's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I've heard that in America, because um, Caitlin Doty has this, she has a business called Undertaking LA, and she's got a few books about working in the funeral industry. Um, and also she does these videos, and she's actually naturally funny, even though she's an undertaker. So you should search her. But I'm pretty sure on one of hers, she said that, in America, in the grave, you know, if you have an actual grave, they actually put like a cement box in there. So, um, and then the coffin goes there and then they bury it because, and so that, and then the, the ground doesn't collapse because where I was, um, obviously these big headstones are falling over because the ground eventually collapses because of the coffin, you know, depending on how many are in there. And, um, and th then there's a sort of a hole. So the, the headstones lean over and then they just fall over. But yeah, um, it's very expensive to get um, a burial plot. Um, well, you know, people didn't used to want to do cremation, but now cremation's really preferred. I don't want to be cremated at all because they say like, I don't want that one pot, like, because everyone's got their own idea of what death is. And I heard it best, like, I think the Egyptology way or the Egyptian way is kind of what I believe in too. Like if your body is a vessel into the afterlife, if they cremate you, then does that make you a pile of ash? Like, I don't want to be in like, oh my God, heaven's real. And I'm like, I'm so happy. I'm going to do so much. Why am I on fire? And then you spontaneously combust because they're cremating your vessel down. I know, but, but if you don't get cremated, you're going to decay. Then I'll decay in the afterlife, but it's going to be a long extended period of time where my eye starts to fall out and then worms start absorbing my body. So my spirit's going to have some. Have you seen America? Have I seen America? Have you seen the film? No, have you seen American Werewolf in London, the film? No, it sounds terrible. Oh, you've got to see it. It's it's quite old from the 80s. But his his friend um, keeps coming back, the main character, his friend keeps coming back and haunting him. And he, he's in various states of decay. And it's it's really quite funny. And it just reminded me, you know, if you go to heaven, um, you didn't get cremated, but you, got, you just got buried and you're just going to decay. Um, it, it's just quite funny walking around um, looking decayed. Um, so you should you should really watch it. It's a classic. It's very famous. Um, yeah. So there was a death row inmate that believed um, right before they executed him. He had an olive. He wanted all he wanted was an olive as his last meal. And he took the pit of it, the seed, and he put it into his pocket. So when he died, he thought that his a tree would grow and it would be like this. It's some type of like afterlife thing where he thought he'd be reincarnated a whole time. I don't know. I don't I don't I maybe I should be cremated in case the zombie thing happens. That might be a possibility, too. I have no clue, but I look at it like. Would it be easier if you're just there's nothing after this? Like there's just you you don't even you just don't you're not going to be conscious that there's no consciousness to exist. 
I don't know. Maybe people see that as pessimistic or horrible, but I'm like, do you want like an afterlife? Cause like they say reincarnation, for instance, you don't really remember the other, you are born into a new family. You're born into whatever, a new life, a new body, new everything. And you don't really remember your past selves and people go like, well, I can remember. Okay, sure. Maybe possibly, probably not. Um, but when you're reincarnated, it's like, do you look at the gate or the portal to go back into the earth as a new person? And then you go like, I'm going to forget my family. I'm going to forget everything that I've ever had, every experience, everything I built up, the love that I had with my partner, the kids that I have, the grandkids that I have, everything that I built up is all going to be forgotten. Well, it's going to be remembered on well, earth. It's not, your own, it's not your own plan to forget them. It's not like you go, I'm going to forget them. It's the design. It's part of the design for reincarnation. Don't mess with my example until it's over. No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, you go into that portal, though, and then everything's gone. Like, you must have a shitty life if you don't want to remember your family. Like, that's the only thing that keeps me tied here is the fact that there are people I care about. Family's more than blood. And there's people more that I care about on this earth to do anything stupid to the point where I would end my life or I would do something where I would want to be reincarnated and forget all the amazing memories and all the relationships that I've had. That seems like a hell to me is if you forget all that type of stuff. People go, well. It's reincarnation. It's the next process in the life. Okay, well, reincarnation has hit many different forms. Reincarnation is also the fact you get turned into a beetle. You get turned into whatever, depending on what your actions were in this life. And I look at it like, would it be a safer bet that there was just nothing afterwards? There was just, you're just, you don't, you stop thinking, your whole brain turns off, everything's gone, and you just next life goes on you're not involved in it you're just a gone and then whatever happens with that next person has nothing to do with you i look at that like that seems like a little peaceful bet i don't want there to be me getting transferred into another body if i can but then it looks like heaven times moves differently up there maybe you're up in heaven for thousands and thousands of years and you go you know what i want another shot well, you're going to forget your family. I don't care. I want another shot at another life of living. It's been 10,000 years and I haven't been on earth. I want to go back into a body. And next thing you know, you did that. I don't know how far until someone breaks to the point where they want to be reincarnated. But wouldn't you, you know, would it just be earth-based? I mean, wouldn't you perhaps go back to, if heaven's such an amazing place, wouldn't it, you know, have the option of going to anywhere in the universe or it would just be heaven for earthlings like a particular waiting room for you know maybe one particular business or something you know because like why would you know you're stuck in an it department in heaven you come back in a star you could come back as some dust you could come back in you know um an, a different solar system because we don't you know we don't really the universe is so big we hardly even know what the hell is going on with other planets and stuff like that. We've only been to, where have we been? The moon, and we've Mars. sent probes to Mars. We haven't been anywhere else. We've sent probes, um, Voyager, the Voyager um, probe went, you know, to the end of the solar system and then left the solar system. What else? We can see things with the Hubble telescope, but we haven't been anywhere. So, and we can't, we don't know, the conditions we're always looking for other hab habitable planets and things like that and always going oh i wonder if there'll be life on another habitable planet but we can barely even um discern the, the nature of the other when we do go oh i think there's a you know scientists or astronomers see a star and they can tell that it's got planets going around it but they're so far away they can barely tell you know the nature of 
um, of, of those plans. And also, you know, so you might come back as, have you ever watched Futurama? Yeah. Well, you know how they have those water people and um, who are just like a big drop of water um, and that sort of thing. So you could just come back as, a, you know, a, an alien that looks nothing like a human. You know, if we spent you know, more you could come time... back as like a... If we a spent sound. more time, you come back as a sound. Carol, you, there's a delay, I think. So just when you see my lips start moving, just you know, but it's okay. We'll let each other talk. We work together because we're friends, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she goes, uh huh, sure, sure. No, but I look at it like I think it's important to have all these amazing beliefs, and everyone is so different, and everyone has different views of everything. And it seems like we. I think the human race chops a bit above it's what it can handle. And I think like understanding intelligence, we only base our understanding of intelligence of what we refer to as intelligence, like plants are able to communicate through their roots and send nutrients to each other. That's the whole reason we go plants aren't sentient. Well, plants have like a really powerful thing to them. I think it leads into like the psychedelic conversation too. A lot of people talk about like psychedelics, like it's this gateway to God. And I'm like, or is it a defense mechanism or a reaction to a plant? Much like poison ivy can bring up a rash, maybe it just reacts differently into your mind when you smoke it and it makes you see these types of things. That is a positive change in a way, but maybe it's also a defense mechanism of the plant. You know, there's a lot of things that people go like, well, no, it communicates me to the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I don't. I don't, maybe it does, but, or maybe your mind's just perceiving that if you raise somebody and tell them that they have like this super intelligent capabilities and they're going to be the next like president of the United States or president of the world, whenever that comes, they're going to be like their whole entire life. Well, I'm special. It's like these people that have um, this, uh, uh, an immense amount of money in Dubai, they're just born into it. So they spend billions and billions. They don't give a shit because they've been, all they've known is this. They don't know what it's like to not have it. So it's like, you're born into it. You have this unreal, real unrealistic expectation. When you have people doing your bills for you, doing everything for you, you don't know what that is. That's not part of your realm because it doesn't have to be. So I look at that, like it's the same thing. Like we talk about using enchantments or using crystals or using any of this stuff. You include that into part of your world necessarily. It might not be, a re like it might not just ex make your power more powerful, but to you it does. And that's the importance of having that belief or having that thing into something because it, it, it it's this confidence, this type of thing that actually you can succeed a lot of stuff. Like if I throw a, a, a three pointer or something, I'm terrible at basketball, but then I go, I'm never going to get it. And then like, I just, I don't even have belief in it. I just do it without thinking it, it goes in. You know, there's a lot of stuff where I'm like people's beliefs, all these types of things. When we try so hard to tear down someone else's or get into a conversation where you just not maybe us, but generalization, obviously a lot of fighting back and forth and picker pattering between scientists, religion. I'm like, these seem like they go really hand in hand. Like they seem like the whole idea is that you are trying to find an answer. And then it's also making like both of them are trying to find an answer. Religion just chalks it up to God. Science tries to chalk it up to what's the actual rationalization that's happening here. And I'm like, who's to say you both are wrong. Maybe you both are wrong and there is no correct answer. But science proves science is based on proof and religion is based on uh, wishful thinking. So, I mean, people don't really do religious experiments, whereas science, if, if it's not proven uh, or if it's not disprovable, it can't be classified as as real. Whereas in religion, it's just outrageous claims, you know, oh, I spoke to a supernatural being. What's your proof? Oh, I don't have any. Sorry. Um, 
And people don't tend to do experiments. They'll go, okay, well, let's do this experiment and see how, um, you know, your supernatural event, is it repeatable, uh, this and that. And people say, oh, well, you can't measure it. Or, oh, well, if you, if you look at it, it won't work. Um, or if you try and measure it, it won't work. So there's a lot of excuses as to why religion uh, shouldn't be uh, put on the same, uh, you know, the same level as science um, and th that it should have its own, I can't remember if it's, if it's it, there's a particular term um, for why, you know, that people use that it says religion should be measured differently to science, um, but they're not really equal. I think religion, well, you know, religion came from before we had science. So that's what they thought. They thought that was the mechanism of the world, that it was run by supernatural beings and supernatural forces. And then people started to learn science and they realized, so they might still be invisible forces, but they're measurable or they're, you know, Whereas you can't measure, you know, an angel. Yeah, but do you understand what I'm saying with the whole, like, what you just said basically is like the point exactly of like, you can't say that. I get it. I, that's your thoughts, obviously. But when you say How that. You, why can't I say it? Because I'm trying it? to true. explain it to you, but we have a connection lag. So let me get the example out. Okay. All right. So when you say something like that, how do we, why do you say science is true? Science is just what we know at the time, but every 10 years, the science that we learned before ends up getting proven wrong. You're telling me if an alien species does not come down to this earth and they say, hey, you guys have chemical 2126 and you're like chemical 2126 that's water it's like well that's what your species knows it as because that's what you've developed in your minds to be able to understand something i consider them equal because i don't i'm not religious and i'm not i'm more based on science but at the same time you cannot dismiss one over the basic evidence or fact because we didn't know there was dimensions 10 years ago now there's scientists and astrophysicists that are studying on how to figure out how to get into dimensions the whole fact of like from here to australia is like 16 hours on a plane. Well, now they're discovering that you can actually, like if you drew a line on a piece of paper, there's the length of the line. But now with another dimension or another way of travel, you can fold that and then cut the whole trip in half. They didn't know that 10 years ago. They didn't know that 20 years ago. They don't even really know it now. So I look at it like it's the advancement of like, everyone is speculating and understanding and trying to find a way to understand it. I think the best solution here is not saying that everything is 100% or every information that you have is 100%. It's just keeping an open mind to the possibility that you might have part of it right, part of it wrong. Everyone is trying to take the step forward and to figure out what it is. I'm not saying that science is wrong. I'm not saying religion is wrong. I'm just saying I think everyone's trying to figure out the best conclusion to get their mind and their perception wrapped around it as much as possible. Yes, but some people are not qualified to figure those things out. What's qualification, though? Do you, are you consider because a PhD you just, qualified? You can't just make things up. Um, you can, but you can't expect people to believe them because 100%. what's your qualification? What's your education? Um, you know, to say um, you can't um, just say anything you like. But with a PhD or with education, like having a master's degree, how did I know you just didn't get your like there are people that have a master's degree in India. Their level of education is different than getting an education in the United States. It's like, where'd you get your P there's people that get law degrees in a certain state and that state has like what 2000 people in it. So it's like, what are you basing the education claim? Yeah, off of? Yeah, yes, yes. So you would you would say you would say um, you would say, where did they get um, that education? And is that is that a, like um, a worthwhile place to have got that education 
that's how you judge it because some places are better than others okay. uh, some institutions that hand out uh, qualifications are more reputable than others i'm not saying that they're not i'm just saying when you look at the grand scheme of things a piece of paper does not qualify to your level of intelligence there's plenty of people that have proven massive things and made major innovations that we're using in society today elon musk was a dropout of, out of college so you look at the the concept of like i've talked to plenty of people with master's degrees phds in the most exclusive science but they don't have a conversation for shit they might be good in that specific area or in that field but what we base our level of intelligence on is what we view it as is what things have been told to us america has great scientists and great innovations australia has great innovation as well too and then you look at a lesser country and think they don't well for them that's a great innovation is what i'm saying it's a different rate and a different process doesn't mean that person is dumb or not capable or not or incompetent with that degree it just means something different that's what, what i'm trying to say is like the whole open conversation and platform of understanding is that like just because someone has a master's degree and they're the top scientist, they're a whatever you want to say. If you're there, Bezos, they're a number one entrepreneur going to go live on the moon or something. But are is it just because they got a lucky pass or maybe a bunch? Like I've had plenty of teachers. I shouldn't have graduated high school at the rate I did because I had slept through the system. But you're still going to look at me like, well, at least you graduated high school. You can put that on your job thing. But did I though? Did I get straight A's? Did I? No, I didn't even show up to the class. They just, I somehow slipped through the system. Yeah, but what we were saying, we were talking about um, whether something, science can be proved, science is about proof and religion isn't, and that's what we're talking about. So you can't equate them. You can't say a scientist is, is the same as a priest. A priest thinks that, that all they know about is some, you know, the biblical text. How does that help anything? Uh, you, you know, took, where you if you look it. at a climate scientist or something like that, um, they're actually going to do something useful and they can prove what they're talking about. Has the, has the priest who relies on his biblical text um, going to be helping anyone do anything? I think you took that example a little bit too literally. Um, I was more on the concept of their equal in the understanding. I think everyone's trying to understand and find an answer to something was my kind of the point that I was trying to get off was like, that's the equal part of science and religion is just about trying to make an answer and trying to understand this. Science is more based in reality when it comes to the concept of trying, but also at the same time, the other perception, if I even say that science is based in reality and religion is not, there's a religious person out there who goes, this is my reality. I've seen the things that I've seen. Now we can sit there and say then prove it but then it's like why are we still fighting over the flat earth and the round earth thing if you really take the well, time who to is, who's fighting over that everyone is that's the biggest thing is the flat earth thing i just watched there's a giant video right now it has like 80 million views on it because it's a whole they got actual nasa scientists and then flat earth people to debate you're going on for 45 minutes where it's like nobody's they're just they're not even letting the information come in. It doesn't have to be. a. This is what we talked about before. We said, why does why does it turn into this thing where you start to be like, well, maybe it means this thing when you're reading tarot cards, because everyone wants to win. Nobody wants to sit and say losing. But, but, but the flat earthers can't win, because if you know anything about space, <laughs> you can see that everything that the earth is a, is a sphere. I know, so I, know they, I know, I know. I can't understand how people can be flat earthers. I, think I know. It's, 
It's but insanity. And it's you not can't, about you can't though. You can't, Carolyn, insanity. you can't. You can't. What? I can't what? Look, I believe that the earth is round too, but I have friends that are flat earthers that just Well, I don't know any flat earthers. I can't believe well, how do they explain it? Well, the, what are they from? Are they I, from 400 BC? I, I think it's the point of distrust because sadly with a lot of media stuff, like much like we're dealing with now when it comes to like the whole COVID thing, a lot of things have been like new information comes out. Like, and then it's like, well, it, have I been lied to from the start? Like are masks not relevant? And they're like, well, now you need masks and stuff like this. Like there's a whole, it's a distrust thing. And their thing is that when NASA first released photos of the moon, what has happened is that they CGI to make it look a little bit better, much like when you take a photo with your phone of the picture of the moon, it kind of looks really crappy. They cleaned it up so they could put it on like the media so everyone can see it. It wasn't warped like it, it wasn't that it was th that. But the fact that it came out that they CGI and added a couple clouds or something but like was that CGI invented then. This was like in 2000 something. Nobody, well, why would they you're, 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 you're well, look, you're comparing. Well, the but, they, but they went to the moon in 1963. They photographed, I just can't, I can't, um, I'm not gonna listen to flat earthers and I'm not, I don't care what they think. They're all idiots. And that's what I've got to say about that. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just say they're not. So sorry, flat earthers. <laughs> I'm not a flat earther. I'm but not gonna. I'm I was not just gonna trying to rush to their ridiculous. Okay. I'm not gonna listen to their ridiculous explanation about um, you know, NASA CGI'd the moon. All right, because we went no, there in nineteen. That's not that's not what they're saying. The CGI. First of all, if you want to get into the space landing or the moon landing thing, we can have a separate debate on that because I can talk about that one. I don't believe we landed there no, when we said care. we landed there. But I don't care. when it comes to the flat earth thing is what I was saying is that nobody decided to take an actual full picture of earth until like in the 2000s when people were talking about this whole thing. And then when they CGI, the thing is, that's what I said. It just opens up an area of distrust. I'm not saying that, that I don't I look at their perception when you hear them talk about things, they're in so belief of it where it's like it's real to them. That's my whole point in all this is like, what's real to you and why do are we so uptight about trying to dismiss someone else's what's in their belief because it's stupid you, because yeah. it's stupid and should be dismissed I, I get it. And I, I, I'm not against you on this too. I agree with you too. But at the same time, I can't dis, I don't have the right. Nobody has the right to dismiss the way another person feels or says about something. It's like, um, there's a scientist, uh, that talked about, he studies, um, the native American indigenous species and talks about peyote. Now peyote, if you know about peyote is a heavy native American psychedelic drug. And he goes, I don't think, um, Americans, white people, any of that should have it. It should only be exclusive to the Native Americans because it's been a big part of their culture. And I'm like, if you believe in a God, if you believe in whatever, do you think they're just going to say, I only want this race to have this plant or find a better way to make it effective and get the same cause and effect thing that the Native Americans that are so benefit to them when they use peyote teach us how to do that so we can all benefit from this thing but he wants to go no we shouldn't use it at all and seclude it over and I go I don't think anything should be just gatekeep to one thing it should be open for the whole world's information processing is he Native American no he's white so he thinks what whites shouldn't take peyote his name's Michael, uh, Michael Pollan, I think his name is, is a heavy psychedelic oh. researcher who yeah, talks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's famous. He's yeah. extremely famous. Well, I what, disagree so with his peyote thing. He doesn't think 
white people should take peyote. He doesn't think at all. He thinks that apparently like the processing of it, it takes like 15 years to effectively get like a, a, a plant of peyote. That's what he said. And then when he talked about he only wants he only thinks that the, it should be strictly for the Native Americans because it's helped out. He's got good points. Like, yeah, it's helped out their culture so much. But in the grand scheme of things, would you like that saying, well, this one area is super successful. But if they gave their information to the rest of the world, would they, everyone be as successful as them? Nobody's teaching the other people. Well, that's interesting because psilocybin mushrooms were f- first sort of used. Well, at least um, they were brought into the, you know, the counterculture through Maria Sabina, who was a Mexican shaman. So does he think that, because he takes psilocybin, does he think only Mexicans should take psilocybin? His whole point is that the process of growing peyote is a lot more difficult when it comes to growing psilocybin is a little bit easier. But how is that relevant to any, I mean. That's what, I can send you the episode where he said it's on a Joe Rogan podcast. It's the one thing that caught my attention that I was like, that does not seem right, but he didn't seem as effective when it takes 15 years to get a full uh, thing of peyote compared to like, he looks at it like we're just taking more stuff. And I'm like, what do we do? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life that to limit one plant to one race, that doesn't make any sense. And people can get mad at that. But I look at it like you think anything that created this plant, the earth, whatever it is, would just want it to be specific to one thing. It should be open for all people to try and get something, especially if you're trying to change your life. If that's the stimulant that does to your brain, it makes you see this grand scheme of God or whatever it is then I think people should have the opportunity to be able to do so. You find out if it's for you. Smoking weed was not for me. I don't need the plant, but I'm not going to be like, I'll stick it to the hippies. No, everyone can enjoy weed. People with Alzheimer's or people with dementia or people with um, arthritis in their hands can use it. You start to realize you're pinpointing it to one thing, which completely dismisses the whole thing in general. Well, I'm quite interested that Michael Pollan said that. And so I'll I'll look that up later. I can see why he would say such a thing, but I am surprised that he said that. Um, I'm actually going to send it to you right now. So I'm going to make sure his I'm getting the right. Yeah, Michael Pollan. Michael Pollan is an author, professor and journalist. His newest book this year is Mind on Plants because he talks about um, like which is he has an interesting point i always talk about there used to be an old study about plant perception and now what what i said before about the basis of intelligence that's his point what we base intelligence off of is what we can understand as intelligence not what plant intelligence where they're able to communicate to each other and do all these types of things but his whole peyote thing i was like no fucking don't limit it to one thing i he looks at it like that's taking their something that's been beneficial and a part of their society and i'm like it's the it's the the Best, best example. Hold on. Ready? So, um, Stonehenge now my, now that's in, where's that located? Britain. Okay. So I was talking to my buddy from the UK and he goes, well, it's all of our heritage. And I'm like, all of our heritage. Like I'm from the United States. It's my heritage too. He goes, yeah. Cause it's prehistory. It's like this old thing we're trying to find an explanation for it's everyone's heritage. So where it's a piece, it's all of ours. And I'm like, that's what everything should be. It should be for everyone. Why would you, it's the skateboarding thing. Like what the hell are we doing? I don't know. But that's interesting that he would say that prehistory, um, belongs to everyone and suddenly history doesn't because why why does prehistory belong to everyone but um anyway that doesn't matter but um 
Yeah. So well, that's the I, point of like, why is why are we secluding history to just one side? It's one nation's history for sure, but it's a human race's history in general is a combination of all of our histories into one. Yeah, but I was just going to say, um, in regards to uh, ethnic uh, plant drugs, I mean ayahuasca. Uh, that's not white, but lots of people, you know, that tons of people are taking that either in south america or now everywhere apparently in australia as well i agree but michael pollan says otherwise when it comes to peyote now when it comes to the other stuff his whole point is that it takes so long like a pineapple takes 48 months to grow his whole thing is that like it's been very beneficial to the people there and it takes like 15 years or something an insane amount of time and he goes i think this should be strictly for them until maybe one day down the line we have an effective way of processing it and getting it better because people apparently to him everyone else uses it in such a dismissal way of just getting high on a saturday and they've used it for beneficial i'm like i think it's you pull what you get out of it, really. I mean, I don't see it to limit. I don't like limiting anything in the world to just one thing. I think that's so a, a waste of time. I think that there are some things we should save to be sacred, but there's also some things where it's for everyone to enjoy. Everything on this earth is for everyone. You know, we all are living here together, trying to make the best that we possibly can out of the life that we have. And if you try and say, no, you can never go into this part of the ocean because you're not of this per, I'm like, that's what it's going to end up getting to if we keep limiting things to that i get their points but i just see it as like you're cutting off major that's like saying you can never take this highway you have to keep going underground um are non-indigenous people allowed to go to the native american peyote churches you're asking questions i don't know the answer to uh, i'll probably have to google it or just you can listen to that episode but his that that's I wouldn't I couldn't I don't even know the guy so I couldn't just toss that out so that's a hundred percent I've heard it it's in that episode so I'm not bullshitting here but that's the whole thing of like I don't I don't know what this world's going to I think especially when it comes to pagan I mean pagan Freemasonry any of that some Freemasons don't want you in if you're not of the blood that goes from that whatever that line is or you're not in that group. You know, we're all about grouping now that people don't want other people in the writing community afraid that they're going to infect uh, their community with people that have bad thoughts or just trying to disrupt it and have fun or be a troll or something like that. That's with everything. Everything is always so limited. And I'm like, it should be open, but we should also not be at a point where we have the fear of someone being a troll, of being someone that's just going to come in and tear everything up and then leave. And everyone's like, what the hell was that? Like, this person was an asshole. It's like, well, that's just the fact of social media has given this ability to create a profile that's not a that's why when you come on my show it's your name in your face so i'm getting some honest shit or if you say something outrageous to get views people are going to find that bullshit out um oh god now i forgot what i was gonna say i'm not a bad guy i'm oh, really that's right. i was I'm, just gonna say everyone's gone mental that's that's the problem is everyone's gone mental as in you know like everyone's freaking out about groups and who's in who's out who's allowed in who's who's not allowed in um yeah it's just gone a little bit crazy lately and um i mean social media is part of the problem because people can talk so quickly 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 i think we're gonna figure it out 
I think um, it's this is like we're just in a really big change and we're in like these big stepping stones of like, I mean, like we said, the three years ago with the Sandra Bullock thing, that's so crazy now. But back then it was it, people were laughing at that. Like it's it's still even like crazy to even talk about. And it looks like like what's are we we're going to eventually find the balance, find the place and find this rhythm or find this thing that we're getting into. But technology is so rapidly increasing. Some person um, said to me, he was like. I would love to come on and talk about before the age of cell phone. And I'm like, anybody that's above the age of 20 can talk about before the age of cell phone, but you don't realize that technology, this amazing innovation that has, has some bad parts to it and has some good parts to it. If you use it right, it's developed so quick where it seems like this is like a hundred year invention, but it's only like a, a, a short amount of time. And I look at it like we're all trying to, that's why I say this show is conversation everyone i i gotta be as open-minded as possible and i get your i value i value your thoughts so fucking much when especially it comes to how strong you believe in science all these types of things i value that so much and i'm not discrediting it but i'm also bringing in the other perspective so we can get a basis of understanding of like for a lot of people their mind gets developed in this way and it might not be good it might not be bad but you got to see it from where they're standing it's the hardest thing to do because when you hear the rationale it's like okay it's making more sense now that you believe this because of the way you're connecting this and this and that like i could have psyched myself out i got a spam call and it was my phone number and now what they do with spam calls is they take a number that's similar to one in your contacts change it by one and they use that so you don't like maybe i don't have this number saved in the answer but it was my phone number and it went to spam and i go i know that was a spam call but imagine how many times i've said if there's a future time travel thing if i could come back to my past self and talk to myself maybe that was the phone call now it's not true but if you really start to like a bunch of things line up, it hits this way. I had a buddy on here who's Mormon and he talked about how many times he was about to lose his religion. And then like, he, he just, he lost his dog and he was like basically not about to become Mormon anymore. He's about to just leave it. And then he goes, all right, well, you never given me anything before. So let me just pray to you now. And hopefully something comes true. Help me find my dog. And next thing you know, he got like a dream of his dog swimming in a little sewer part, went there and found his dog there. That's what I'm saying is it might not be that that happened, like just like God put a bit image into his head. It might have been subconsciously in there like he knows that's his dog's favorite spot. But when you're trying to leave something, you're literally looking for anything to keep you attached to that. You're looking for any possible thing, giving it any last shot. And then that happens. And then it's like, well, it has to be true because you're already looking for something so much. So that's what I'm trying to say, the understanding factor of it all. Do you want to see what I found in the street the other day? That was such a, okay. That was off time. All right. Um, no, uh, in regards to what you're talking about. Yes, I agree. And the thing is, I'm not dismissing um, religion or supernatural um, beliefs because I, I study that and it is, um, but I don't think, I think it is in a different realm to scientific stuff. Now I'm going to show you what I found in the street. So <laughs> I've just got to get it. That's an amazing amulet this. you have. In the, oh thanks thanks that's um there it is there uh. <laughs> i found this in the street check it out it's a tree <laughs> why did you why is that just lying in the street well someone put it out in hard rubbish so i took it i think it's pretty good oh someone's emailed me um i can just see an email pop. so that's my tree it's made out of aluminium and um i stole it out of the well i didn't steal it i just left it in the street so i took it um because you know you can get some good things in high rubbish can't you 
Yeah, another man's trash is another man's treasure. Or woman's yeah. treasure. That's right. I find a lot of good stuff. Like when you go thrift shopping and stuff, I love doing that. I find old vinyl records. That's something that nobody really is interested in because now technology has everything on a disc or everything has it on phone. But I look at it like the artwork on it is that's littered around my studio. I have them pinned up albums everywhere, ink spots. I got Bill Cosby's first thing before he became and this. Well, apparently he's free now. So it's, it's a changing world. Um, you know, if I see a bookshelf in the street, I have to try and get it because um, <laughs> you can never have too many bookshelves. I need them. I have one right here that's just kind of for show. It's got a good, a lot of good books in it. And then the stuff I read on top, like the Percy Jackson series, um, just a bunch of like easy to read. I don't like getting into the, I like reading religious stuff, but I also not religious. I'm just trying to see that viewpoint of how like this connects to this and this connects to that because I love myth and folklore. Like Norse, all that type of stuff is just so fascinating to me because it's like at the time that you're in it and you're believing in it, you're trying to understand that it's like time traveling. You're trying to get into this person's understanding of why they thought this way. And this, that's why I think it's so important that schools teach it and teach like the critical understanding of like, what does, what do you think this means to you? Cause then you start to realize like everyone's got a different way of understanding it, but they all kind of come to the same conclusion in a way. And I'm like, that's. It's so fat. I love the mind, how it works, like how someone could be like duck means or spunk means this. And then it means this. And I like, oh, OK, let's, how did that happen? I don't know. But it's apparently what we're going off of. Hey, speaking of Norse stuff, um, hang on. Norse paganism is the most sophisticated of the contemporary paganisms. Also, there's this fantastic book, The Viking Way by Neil Price. Um, it's really really amazing i've got quite a neil few, priest um, neil priest price it's priest whatever see I, that's <laughs> I not even true i don't even know but you are convinced at that point well i mean it could be true i've never really heard him say it so um anyway that's a really good viking book yeah vikings are huge at the moment i just saw a survey about um people that listening to Viking inspired music. And I was trying to do the survey, but then I got to the point where I didn't know any of the bands and I'm like, oh, well, I guess I don't really listen to Viking inspired music. So I had to just leave the survey and not do it at all. But I love doing surveys because I like telling people what I think. I, um, I'm playing this game. I think I've talked about before in the past, but it's Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it's all like the basis of like the Viking age and stuff like that. But I like to just sit on the ship, not really like play the game or fight, but there's songs on the ship where the, the crew members are singing chants and these types of things. And it's like, it's, uh, black flag was another um assassin's creed that was taken like the caribbean it was like a pirate style thing they had sea shanties where you would sing sea songs and all these types of things to make the time pass by much like before radio and all that and i look at that like there's it's so much like it's so interesting because that vibe you get in when everyone's like you've heard a good song that's literally made you get up out of your seat and like move around a little bit like i fucking love this song and i like how that can play a stimulant into someone's brain and then like next thing you know someone that's really shy opens up and then that's just, I find that fascinating, much like a beautiful sunrise or sunset can basically give you some goosebumps at times. You're like, damn, this is like a great moment right now. Life is going to be okay. I didn't know Assassin's Creed had a Viking one. It's uh, their latest one. Now they're making a new one right now. Wow. It came after Odyssey, which is the like Greek and Roman mythology one. Like you get to work with Aristotle and all this. Valhalla is like, 
you're you're basically coming to England and you're trying to survive and create and you're also trying to take over conquer and do all these types of things it's very very interesting because there's a lot of stuff like um I talked about this in a past episode uh with someone who studies like Norse and all that and there was a, a person in a quest and the guy would be like I need you to throw all of my stuff off this cliff and he's like you're just like what and he's like all of my stuff off the cliff and he goes everything he goes yes so you throw all of his stuff off the cliff and then he goes now throw my horse off the cliff and you're like what and then you have to do that you throw the horse off the cliff um and then he goes why did i just do all that and he goes because my son just died and i'm ready to end it all and then he jumps off the cliff and you're like oh my god like and it's just that little bit even though it's a little like crazy quest or a little thing i think it's like a minute and a half it's just, it leaves something with you. Like how many people, like there are people that when wall street crashed, jumped off of the building because they thought everything was over. And it just kind of like the similarities, the differences, all these types of things are just so fascinating to me where I really pull something out of maybe something I shouldn't have pulled something out of. It might've been just like, that guy's crazy, but you start to find maybe a little bit of meaning in things. Same thing with like reading something from text where someone might read a Bible verse and it might just be like, Oh, that's a, craziest thing i've ever heard but then someone pulls and goes this really helped me in this time of need same thing with how to the point are you where a motivational book is really going to resonate with you so much that you're going to do whatever that person says there are people that look to gary v as a god and i look at him as like just a dude that's like fucking go against the system well i don't know who he is but speaking of motivational books there's this one called your erroneous zones by dr wayne dyer and it's really old but it's actually really good. Although I think it's actually quite hard to do. It's hard to do that self-motivation stuff, especially if you're feeling terrible. Um, so I think you need like a human coach to help you. But a lot of people, you know, they've got the book and that's the coach, but it's hard to force yourself to do it. And yeah, I think that's difficult. Have you seen the film, speaking of um, Norse things, although I think it's Swedish, Midsommar, have you seen it? I've heard of it. Oh, it's very good. You gotta see that. I don't really watch a lot of TV when I'm on a kick on the horror I, film. I'm on replay right now, which is Willie's Wonderland. And that's probably like my favorite movie right now. Right. Now, what were you telling me about last time I was talking to you? Was it crabs? Crabs like that? You have lots of crabs there or something that you I'm in eat? Maryland. Yeah, it's a big thing down here. We put old. Did you ever look up Old Bay? No, nah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> old Bay is like a little spice that you put on, but it's like you see, we season and everything. Everybody around here, like the joke is you put Old Bay on everything. And that's 100% true. A lot of people carry Old Bay with them. It's in every restaurant. It's everything like that because we live in a place that's known for Maryland's crabs. And that's a whole aspect of not the ones that you get on your body, but the ones that you pull out of the ocean. It's big down here. It's go crab and it's a lot of good memories and moments is like going off to the pier and then spending a whole day just catching crabs, putting them in a bucket, you know, like it's a it's a, a great experience. And that's a big part down here, much like in Australia, you know, a big part is like kangaroos are big there, even though it's more of like you could probably be killed by a shark before a kangaroo. Yeah, although male kangaroos, they can disembowel you with their feet because they have very big um, long claws. Anyway. Um, I was just going to say that now talking about crabs and then you did have to remind me of, of human body crabs are um, also known as uh, pubic lice. Let me just tell you that that crabs, pubic lice are the same type of lice that are all over gorillas' bodies. This so, is a kid's show. Pubic... What are you doing? Sorry, what is it? This is a kid's show. It is not. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, pubic lice 
Mm. They're different to head lice, right, on mm. humans, but pubic lice on humans are the same as gorilla lice all over their body. So it's thought that someone once had sex with a gorilla and that's how they got pubic lice in humans. And that was science that did that. Apparently. See, that's why I say it's like everything gets it. There's that woman that uh, it's a famous thing you can look up. She was a scientist who developed her home to have like water in it, like up to her knees. And she had, was living with a dolphin because she was a marine biologist. That was, you know what I'm talking about, where she ended up developing a relationship with the dolphin. Now, she did got, she marry it? She no, she ended up trying to fuck it. And it, oh. they developed like this weird connection that everyone's like, what the hell? But hold on, I'm going to look this up to make sure it's not. That sounds a little um, questionable. Yeah. Well, you're talking about pubic lice. I can talk about this, right? Well, you Dolphin brought it fucking. up. Yeah, no, you I brought, brought up, up crabs that weren't sexual, and then I went to the crabs, and you took it. Your mind went the dirty okay, route. But I had to. I just, I just had to mention the gorilla lice. So the, the article is how a science experiment led to sexual encounters between a, a woman and a dolphin. A new documentary tells the story of Margaret Howe Lovett, who's in the 1960s, took part in a NASA funded research project in which she developed an unusual relationship with a dolphin named Peter. <laughs> now you Peter. see why people distrust NASA. You see why Peter the flat the earthers have a point. That's a funny name for a dolphin. Peter. Peter. Yeah, it's a little um, because usually we'd be calling them something more. The picture is even weirder because the dolphin's like laying on its like stomach and she's on top of it, like in a weird position. And there's a video. Wow. Dealing with a dolphin, dealing with a dolphin's urges. Okay, That's weird. (sighs) Our whole space program in the States is all like weird. People get surprised when they find out a lot of it came from Operation Paperclip where like the whole Spaceship developed design is from Warner Von Braun, who developed the Nazi uh, space program. Right. Well, I probably watched too much Futurama because that all I can think about is that. What, dolphin screwing? No, Futurama. That's a good show. I've seen a lot of it. I think my favorite episode probably is um, the one I, I watched the other day was the dimension one where they open up the box and there's dimension B and they go inside of that and there's another dimension and another dimension. Good news, everyone. Isn't it the bad universe? They go in and there's a bad, there's a like a, or universe B or something. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just, there's, there's whatever choice you made in this dimension is different in the other one. So instead of saying yes to like a new job, you said no. And then you got something else happening. It's like the cause and effect of that, which I think is probably the most possible dimensional theory. If there's out there, like, instead of me looking like how I look, maybe I'm like, I don't know. I have like blonde hair and then I have like white eyes or something like that. Well, you could get white contact lenses. Um, I think Futurama is like so much better than The Simpsons. The Simpsons is, it always tries to be so funny, but Futurama actually is funny. I think it's because they push the boundary a little bit more than The Simpsons does. So much better. Well, it's newer age too, like Futurama, for instance. I think more people are obsessed with the future rather than like modern day stuff. Like if you try and watch The Simpsons now, it's still funny, but Futurama is funnier because the jokes are more relevant to what's happening now. It's like Family Guy, you watch their first season compared to their ninth one or their, their latest one. It's it's funnier because it's more adapted to now. Like when they have Sam Elliott come on screen, he has a mustache that talks. Like it's it's more funny. Mm. Yeah, 
well, we watched lots and lots of um, Family Guy here, but I never know which, um, I can tell which ones are really old, but I never know what we're up to. Um, I never know which is the newest. Because they've been canceled from like every network they've ever been on and then rehired back onto their network. They actually, in their newest ones, they make fun of it. They're like, Fox dropped us again. And they did the same thing with Futurama. They actually made an episode like there was an accident at the box factory and it's the same lettering as Fox. And then it just explodes. And there's a bunch of people flinging poop at each other. They're all like monkeys in a room flinging poop at each other. That was because Fox dropped their network because they thought it was too edgy. Futurama was, and they were trying to get ahead of the times. And then people realized, oh, when it comes to comedy, I think a lot of things, people just stop giving a shit. And then you just create the content. And if you take it the way you take it, that's on you. There's a disclaimer at the front, much like having a seizure. Oh. I've been watching Twin Peaks for weeks and weeks. You know, Twin Peaks, that yeah. David Lynch. And we just started watching the third season, which has been, which was made like 25 years later. And I was horrified to see how old everyone now is. I was just horrified. Like, cause we just been watching them in the very early nineties or whatever it was, 1990. And I was so used to them all like that. Then we watched the movie. They're still young. I, I can't even remember the movie. <laughs> oh yes, I can bit, but, um, and then we just started watching the third season and I was just horrified at like um, that deputy, that Indian deputy, his hair is white now. Um, Lucy and Andy, like Lucy's 66. And Andy, I mean, oh my God, they are almost unrecognizable. And watch the original Star Trek and then watch, look at William Shatner now. It's horrific. <laughs> I mean, you know, everyone, you can't do anything about it except get plastic surgery, but it's just, just, yeah, I, I'm sure if I watched Star Trek, really old Star Trek, and then the most, you know, recent with him in it, I'd probably be going, oh my God. Because sometimes I can't even tell who I'm looking at in Star Trek. I'm like, you, you say that, but when you put up the side by side, like a lot of people say, um, what's his name? Who plays John Wick? Uh, I don't know what he's in. He plays in The Matrix damn really we're blanking on this one well i don't know anyone in star trek's actual names i'm not except... saying star trek i'm saying um the guy who plays in matrix oh but yeah well all i know is hugo waving and keanu reeves that's him keanu reeves a lot of people say he doesn't age if you look at the new Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, the second one, he ages. His body aged pretty fast. Like his face looks kind of the same, but he has a dad bod for sure. And that was just embarrassing. I can't believe they did that. It was a good movie, I thought. What, the second one? I Look, I mean, they weren't looking for another Bill and Ted. They were just looking to make a thing for fans that were like, just wanted to enjoy seeing their characters on screen again in the same format. You know, it sucks. It's hard to live up to the original one. Like Willie's Wonderland, for instance, that's a one movie thing with Nick Cage where he doesn't say a damn word in the whole entire thing. But there's not going to be a second one. It's just that one because it's it's only good for one. A lot of movies I think we can all name have just one, one good one. Tuck Everlasting. There's no second Tuck Everlasting. Wasn't even good that first time. And they filmed that in my town. They bought my buddy's house and they filmed in that house. I don't know that film at all. It's like a really popular, like, 
they find a tree and these people live for it's crazy you got to look it up it's not bad they made you watch it in school but they bought my buddy's house and then they kept some they were moving out because they were going to film in the house and they kept some of his photos and they had the family photos of my buddy's family when they were filming so it's them in the film oh right so what what else is happening over in your way no let's we can end it it's fine night time yeah night time well it's morning now a morning right 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 i'm gonna end up getting some breakfast here and you're probably gonna be going off to bed with some tea am i right not with tea coffee no (laughs) nothing you don't drink something before you go to bed water when i brush my teeth do you want me to have to get up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet you're gonna you're gonna do it anyway no i'm not going eight hours without going to the bathroom once is ridiculous what are you having for breakfast i don't i'm not talking about my breakfast menu for all these listeners they're gonna stock my meals come on last time you were having something weird what i don't know what's weird maybe an egg i don't know (laughs) Mm, okay so you just think you might have an egg Possibly. I got to I got to Yeah, I'm probably gonna have an egg. Okay. How's it gonna be cooked? All right. No, we're not doing this. Carolyn, <laughs> you've, you've mentioned a lot of books on the show. Is there a book that I don't you know have written? Why you... Pardon? I said you've mentioned a lot of books on the show. Is there one that you have written that you would like to tell yes. the audience? There sure is. Okay. Look at that. Look how I segued into that. This is my book. I love talking to you so much. I do. I really do. It's awesome. <laughs> You can see my last name. So this is my book. I think I've shown it before. It's very big. It's called The Cultic Life of Trees. And it's got pictures. It's got lots of pictures, as you can see. It's basically, it's, um, oh, it's well, hard to explain. A lot that. of people Let's- can see it, but they need to hear it too for the audio only listeners. So can you put the pages up to the mic and fluffle around real quick so they know that there's a lot of pages? I know that was just a lie. <laughs> well, we are audio too. All right, I will. Fine. Okay, everyone. I want to hear it. the perfect crease of a nice crisp page. Can you hear this? Yeah, a little bit. I can make it louder in the audio so people can hear that flip of the page. Anyway, so my book, let's just say it's hard to explain what it's about. It's about tree worship in the Bronze Age in Crete. Uh, so Crete is, you know, one of the Greek islands and there's these image, there's these rings, gold rings, and they have these images of people doing ritual. And a lot of them have trees on the altar or next to the altar and that sort of thing. And nobody really knows why. So my book is trying to explain why that might be. So basically it's, you know, tree worship or, you know, it's not really tree worship. It's more like Mm, they're not really worshiping the trees it's more like they're communicating with them sounds like a lead-in to episode three of ours that we're going to be doing down the line oh what's that going to be about your book the thing you just said that's an amazing topic okay i'm sitting here talking about my breakfast and you're like well there's also these people that pray to these trees and then it's like this whole entire that's a that's a perfect episode right there oh okay good is I can it, I can provide images too. Okay. 
well, what about the audio only things? Could you make the sound of whatever you're describing? Like if you see a tree, you got to have a piece of tw a twig and snap it so people can hear the break of the twig so they know you're showing a picture of a tree. Maybe, but you know what that sound of the wind blowing in the trees is called? It's called susurration. You know what the dew on the grass is called? No. Petrichor. Really? That's a nice um, word, isn't it? Sounds like the core of an apple, but it's a petrichor is the dew on the grass in the mornings. Hmm. Well, thanks for joining me, Carolyn. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Is there um, anywhere people can find you on Twitter or any of uh, your links you want to provide? I can just put in the details, but if you want to say them. Well, I have a blog called Necropolis Now, as in not Acropolis Now, Necropolis Now. And I have an academia page, which is got lots of well my blog has lots of free articles my academia page has lots of free articles and i'm on facebook and i've got two facebook pages and i'm on twitter but i hate twitter you know why i hate twitter because i'm on it no because i don't get that many likes i Whereas like on your facebook, stuff yeah but like i should get lots more <laughs> i wish i got more likes but hey beggars can't be choosers am i right i don't know we should be friends on Facebook. I don't know how that's not a thing. Well, I think one of my Facebook pages, I can't have anyone. I've already got 5,000 people, so I can't have. Um, I've got to wait till someone goes away. But if or you dies. friend me. <laughs> or dies. <laughs> if you friend me, um, then when someone goes away, I can put you in. Okay. Well, I'll send a friend request to it. And I really appreciate you for coming back on the podcast and chatting up with me. It's been a pleasure. And I hope everyone out there is going to live free and prosperous.